everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts and problems with screens in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I am so glad you're here today. I'm always so thrilled to present new information for you, and I hope you're having a great day. I want to welcome everyone. If you're one of our regular listeners, welcome back. And if you're new, I think the friend that told you about this podcast, this is going to be a really good one. Our topic today is music and how to get your kids to love and stick to music lessons. (laughs) (laughs) And our guest is a wonderful friend of ours, a fellow like-minded Screen Strong parent coach, if you will. Our boys are best friends. And I'm so happy to have Katie Jackson with me today. Welcome, Katie. Thank you so much. It's so fun when I have local people that can sit right here with me (laughs) side by side in my office. As you know, I have talked about my kids' music journey before on this podcast. And for those of y'all who've ever heard me in a live situation, you've heard some pretty funny stories about music in our home and some sad stories too, because our oldest, Adam, loved music and he actually loved the piano, but he learned to love video games more during his middle school years. And I let him spend more time on his video games than I did on his piano. And back in the day, we were also worried about overscheduling our kids. So we pulled them out of all their lessons, which was really crazy. Plus in middle school, he decided that he just didn't want to play anymore. He wanted to work on his video games. And we're going to talk about that with Katie here in a minute. But I know now that what you let your kids spend time doing is what they learn to love. So with the younger kids, I stuck to my plan to introduce music to them early. And I also have a story that I just want to tell about. This is one of my most fun music stories. Just one of my favorite, one of my favorites. I laugh every time I think about this story. So one of the twins was in middle school and they had been getting really obsessed with a certain music group. As you know, teens get obsessed with what you allow in their path. Um, I'm sure, Katie, you know this, um, (laughs) this obsession that they have. It's part of their brain development and this whole exaggeration and overdoing things and no boundaries. And as Frances Jensen says in her book, The Teenage Brain, they are all accelerator and no breaks. And that's just what happens with a lot of things in their life. So one of the boys came in the kitchen one day, I was cooking and He came in and he said, mom, I, I mean, he made like this grand announcement. Um, Mom, I discovered the most amazing group. Their music is like nothing out there. They are musical geniuses. Just the way they put the songs together and the chords and the notes. And it's just brilliant. It's the most brilliant. And I've learned every song and I am just so excited about this. And, And I'm listening and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be some kind of rap group or some new thing. And I'm listening to him go on and on. I'm just watching him. He's so like into describing how cool this music was. And he said, you know, it's a, it's a brother and a sister. And right at that second, I thought, oh, could it be? And he, and I said, well, honey, what's the name of this group? And he said, the Carpenters. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness. That is so funny that he was falling in love with the Carpenters. And to this day, he knows every single song. He's, but what was so funny was how 
he fell in love with that. And the reason why he fell in love with that was because we we played a lot of 70s and you know in our house and I think his ear really got tuned to that and when he got hold of those songs well he could have very easily gotten hold of something else and fallen in love with something else. but it was just interesting because that was how we did music in our home we had a lot of classic you know singers and songwriters and all that in our home and I think that's what really hooked him in so Katie let's dive in and talk about a few things. But before we do that, I want you to give your background because you have like this amazing background and everybody needs to know who you are. So tell, <laughs> tell us your background. Um, what makes you the expert today? I, I, don't, I don't know that. I don't feel like an expert in the sense that there's always so much more to learn every single sure. day when we wake up. But I have taught privately for almost 30 years, wow. which is very hard to believe because yeah. I feel very young because like you look just like you're started. 22 <laughs> yeah no um, yeah. and but I so I have a doctorate in music but I started um, as a Suzuki violinist when I was five oh. my mom was a pianist and had uh had heard of Suzuki and found a teacher for me and I was one of the I think one of the first students in Augusta in the in the program in Augusta Georgia right, right. and it just shaped our family. Mom, mom taught piano. My brother and I played the violin um, and the piano. And then I started the French horn and band in middle school. Mm-hmm. And my sister played the oboe and the cello. And mm-hmm. so it's just mm-hmm. really a fun musical environment to grow up in. But then you went to college. And then I went to college. I went to, started at UNC Chapel Hill and then transferred okay. to the Peabody Conservatory. Okay. And finished there and then did my master's at the University of South Carolina and my doctorate at the University of Iowa. Oh my goodness. So, okay. Um, and then we moved to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I had an injury, so I don't play the horn professionally oh. any longer, but it's been a great blessing to have the violin and yeah. to have um, opportunities to, to still play and, and to teach, which is actually, I, I don't know, the funny thing for me is I always wanted to play. I'm going to perform and I'm not going to be like my mom who had her piano studio. Oh. And then I had my children and started teaching and I was like, I love this so much. So I really, really love teaching, love my students. And you teach piano and... I teach violin. violin. And then I have a few horn students that teach primarily violin now. Uh And then... um, But your kids, tell us about your kids. So so I have seven children and they all played. And so now I do feel a little bit more confident in speaking to some of the younger moms about raising your children to play music because my oldest is 21. So the children now are 21, 19, 17, 17, 15, 12, and seven. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I have one who's per, per, pursuing a piano degree at the Blair School of Music at Vanderbilt. And I have one who's working on Minuet One in Suzuki Book One on the right. violin and the piano. So right. we have a right. Twinkle, twinkle. <laughs> yes, we've done. <laughs> Yes, so seven book one recitals oh, on, uh, on the piano. And, and our piano teacher, I'm sure she heard this, could, you know, I haven't done everything perfectly through these years, but sure. we've really had a beautiful journey together, I think, as a family. And and I've just been so thankful. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's wonderful to be at this stage of life. And I feel very encouraged to continue the work with Matthew and Geddes, my youngest two. Yeah. Um, getting to see the blessings that it's been oh, for yeah. um, Cass. Yeah. 
Cass and Martha Grace and Liam and the the kinds of things they're yeah. able to do and you're locked and you're locked it. in now. They, they don't they don't stand a chance of. <laughs> convincing mom that they don't want to take violin lessons anymore. So I I just want everybody listening to understand that Katie has such incredible experience, not just professionally, but day to day. And and these are the kind of people I love to talk to on this show. People that have, that are in it right now with their kids, you know, that are actually in the Petri dish and, you know, have the experience and understand what it's like when your kid doesn't want to practice or, you know, when life happens, you know. Yes. So, so. you you have it. You have <laughs> you have all the experience with all the ages too. So that's really cool. Doesn't one of your daughters play the harp? Yes. So Tessa is um she is fifty just turned fifteen and she is a harpist and a pianist. And yeah. So she actually asked to purchase a flute this summer so she could be in the band. Yeah. In, in, school next year so we'll see how that and you know we're gonna get through this wonderful show today and at the end we're gonna talk about a lot of benefits but one of the benefits is that i have just seen in my little early journey because you have way more experience with this than i do is that once they learn one instrument it's much easier to learn others sure yes i mean mean, if they want to um we're right now trying to figure out um it, it's tricky if they think they actually want to pursue yeah. one professionally. Right. Like, then do you have multiple instruments? Right. But um, but all of mine right. have played two instruments and have really, I think, benefited from that and enjoyed it because yeah. you can enjoy them yeah. differently and in yeah. different settings and do different things with them. So and you and you certainly fun. have like a whole different like more of a professional track and that's what's going on in your brain all the time. For me, I'm just thinking, oh, isn't it cool that they can play the piano and then they play the guitar and then now they can play the banjo and they've been playing the violin since they were three. And it, you know, so for me, for, it's just funny because I I don't think of them playing professionally, like, cause I, you know, even though that would be amazing, but I don't, I don't have that track, but then I just think socially for them to be able to just pick up and, you know, like Evan started playing the bass a few months ago and he's really good. I'm like, wow. So maybe all those practice hours are kind of translating into some other things too. Yes. And I would say too, I mean, I think some parents are hesitant to fully invest in, in a musical education for their children. Yeah thinking, oh, well, we're never going to do this professionally. Right. And and I would, I would just, if I could just, yeah. if I could just beg you, beg you, beg you. They don't have to be professional right. musicians to make this a worthwhile endeavor yes. and to get the best education in music that they can, that, um, that this is shaping them into be, into being beautiful people. people. Right. So, um, right. And it's just a whole nother side. Yes. And and I would say too, like, so even when I was thinking through getting to do this today, I mean, I could talk to you for like a hundred years. Yeah, so just, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I promise I'll, I'll try not you to, in. I'll condense okay. it. But, um, <laughs> but I was thinking about, you know, the whys and then when do we start and then how do we do this? How do we actually make it? Yeah, that's happen? great. But, yeah. you know, the whys, I feel like our culture has, I think most of us have probably seen the articles on brain development, mm-hmm. the amazing things that it does for us mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. We've seen the the value or, or probably heard about, you know, it's helpful also with your, your physical dexterity and your mm-hmm. hand eye coordination mm-hmm. and things mm-hmm. you're able to do. It helps with our discipline, which I think is super important and could talk for a long mm-hmm. time on. Absolutely. Um, and our time management. Yeah. And, and, and I, I really do think that this has been very helpful for all of my children as they've come up through high school and then even into college 
mm-hmm. that they are able to organize their time well because they've had to they've had to be in that habit you know growing up if they're going to do this on top of their other activities and, and the other benefits that I've seen music teachers become a, another wonderful adult in their life oh right? yes it's like a, a coach like I love their sports coaches because they get influence there but to have these music teachers in my kids lives has been such a blessing because they are they bring this incredible perspective and of course they always or in line with my thinking. I mean, you know, cause it's all about discipline. It's all about practice and, and yet they have fun, you know, they have fun with them and it's a relation, it's an adult relationship that I never realized that that benefit was so great. Yeah. The one-on-one of that is, is really um, valuable. I and, think. and when, and when your kids learn music, even if they're not going to be professional, they're never bored. They're never, never bored. And then I would actually say, so we've got our pragmatic reasons and our, and our okay. world seems to, you know, often focus there, mm-hmm. but I would just also just love to bring out how important it is that we're opening our children's eyes to wonder and beauty. And I think that's often overlooked as a value in our culture. Yeah. And talk so, about that a minute. Talk. Yeah. I mean, just to, to be able, it's part of being human is to recognize that we are able to, you know, our creator has gifted us with mm-hmm. being creative mm-hmm. and, and, mm-hmm. and opening up this, this part of us that can express. And I think even in, in our learning how to love others well and to interact with others, if our eyes are open to the world around us, um, and I think music does that for us, art and great literature does as well. I have a, um, I have a book that I just got called the beauty chasers by Tim Willard. Yeah. Um, but he had a couple of spots in here that I thought as a music teacher, I was like, Oh, that was it. <laughs> but he, one thing was our cultural, edu- our cultural education matters. A young person's aesthetic taste becomes fixed in late adolescence, cultural education, the discernment of the beautiful, good, and true is essential, especially for the youngest minds. So, and then he says, and yet much of their cultural education today comes from gaming, social media, and YouTube. This is not only a matter of time spent playing games and watching entertainment. Screen time using apps like Instagram for young adults and especially young girls proves extremely harmful to the development of their self-worth. And so then he's talking about it is our duty as a society to teach and promote ordinate affections, the proper loves for the young that is so great what was the name of that book again let me put it on our the The beauty Beauty Chasers. chasers we'll put that in the show notes here that is Fabulous. I love that. Yes, <laughs> I was so, it was just so interesting because I feel like as a teacher, even in my, in my studio notes, I am telling my, my parents, like the truth, goodness, and beauty that, that I am hoping as a teacher, I'm walking faithfully along with the parents to right. open their children's eyes mm-hmm. for this. And that, mm-hmm. that, that is a large part of the yeah. why of Right. Well, we do this. Oh, there's so many whys and there's so many benefits. (laughs) And I I am coming at it from the perspective of being not raised in a musical environment. We had the radio. Uh, (laughs) Yes. And we went to some concerts. (laughs) That was about the extent of my my music. But let's talk about when, because I will tell you, 
I, I think I started taking piano lessons when I was in, I don't know, third or fourth grade and did it for a year and then we quit and I don't even remember anything about it, um, mm. you know, in my own home. But, but for the boys, I remember, where was I? Somewhere. And I saw a bunch of these little three and four year old kids playing Suzuki violin. Yeah. And I, I mean, my jaw just dropped and I just thought this is the most amazing thing I mean, for my kids to be able to even stand still for that long, that that's why I was so amazed with them. I'm like, how do they get them to just stand still? You know, they're four years old. Like, how does this happen? Because I have boys and they're just moving all over the place. And so I talked to the teacher and she said, oh, they can start right now. They were three and a half. And she said, bring them on in. And they had a group lesson and they, we did group lessons every week. And that was really cool. And that, that, so ours started too, very young at three and a half. Now that was just because I thought it was cute. I, I had no idea that this was really a good thing to do. Well, <laughs> So what ages do you think with different instruments? What is the best age? Well, so I even started my own musical education began with Suzuki. And so, and then my, a lot of my training is in Suzuki violin. Um, and that method, Sinichi Suzuki really encouraged parents of young children. He'd made an observation that if children can learn how to speak by just listening to their parents speak, then they can also learn music by listening mm -hmm. to music. And so when they're young, putting them in an environment where they are listening to beautiful, well-played music, mm -hmm. well done, mm -hmm. that that they can learn how to to, to play that and, right. and to do it by ear. In America, the first Suzuki's Many of the first Suzuki teachers waited a little long to introduce sight reading, but I think mm -hmm. I think now most Suzuki teachers, I at least, start my kids reading right when they're starting to read words because that's right. when symbols are starting to make sense in their minds. Right. But I think you know, starting early is is great because it just becomes part of their day. It becomes. I mean, it also trains their ear, I think, slightly mm -hmm. and just in, a, in, a, in an amazing way when they're mm -hmm. when they're really little like that. But it also just becomes something they do every day. And and I have found in my experience that the, the children who start young, like some of the practice scrubbles that you have when they're older are not they don't come up quite as much because this has just been part, part of, of their, their their day, yeah. you know, for as long as I can remember. Yeah. Not until, you, until you hit middle school. Until you but, hit middle school. That's then, a, then everything, <laughs> is, that's a whole nother, we'll talk about that here in a second. Yeah. But so you think early for like violin, what about piano? And piano too, early piano. Instruments that you need your teeth for, brass instruments, wind instruments, you, yeah. you probably need you to need get teeth. your big teeth. You need teeth. Okay. <laughs> Never thought about that? Yeah. Okay. I did not either until I had a really little, a, a young, young student who really was like, Mrs. Jackson, please teach me how to play the French horn. It's like, well, okay. Oh, and then, then he comes in when day goes, look, Mrs. Jackson, I lost my front teeth. And I was like, oh, well, that's going to be interesting. So we did some piano theory for a couple months, got his until teeth he got in. got his teeth in. And then picked back up. Um, yeah. But that, so that was, that was a really funny but I think violin and piano both and then with Liam he did um, violin he started when he I mean they live in my house so they get to hold instruments when they're really really little but mm -hmm. he was probably really working by the time he's three three and a half on his on his violin but then as soon as he got to one of the the fractional sizes that could support a c-string I moved him over to the viola so he's been he's been actually doing viola, viola. first yeah since right. 
He right. finished. I think right. he did Suzuki Book One and Violin, and then after that, he's been doing all fucking viola. And what about piano? Because I think I think sometime at least with us, I think we started one of our boys um, around third third grade, and then the other one around fifth grade. Is that right? I, we waited just a little bit longer. It, I think piano. if you're going to do a second instrument, it just kind of depends on what your what your tolerance is. So I mine both sort of started both almost at the same time. Yeah. Okay. And actually, and I had even forgot, so Tessa started harp when she was four. Wow. She had, um, she because Suzuki also has a harp program and she did Suzuki harp, there's Suzuki guitar. Yeah. I think there's lots of options and all of these instruments have fraction. Well, so Tessa's harp was a troubadour harp. So it was a lever harp mm-hmm. that was a regular size, but she had, we had a bench and phone books and all oh. kinds of stuff so that she was <laughs> so at she the right, yeah. Yeah. So she was at the yeah. right height. It, it was great. She, she really loved yeah. that. Well, so, and when you were talking about Suzuki and that Suzuki method, I really do love that as well. That's what we did. The teacher would always say, you know, at night when they go to bed, let them listen. And, yeah. and her, I think she told me if they, if they hear the song like a hundred times, they'll be able to play it. Like they'll just be able to play. And, 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 it, it works. Like, I don't know. It how is it weird how it works because I know you're thinking, well, but I think um, O'Connor method, I think, is similar. Like, he's it's an American um, okay. violinist. He doesn't live very far away. So, fiddle. Okay. Um, yeah. Has a lot of fiddling in his music. Some kids just love that. It's a yeah. little bit more American right. folk, folk right. stuff. Right. But the same right. idea that he's got um, recordings and you can listen to that. Right. So, yeah. all kinds of things. I mean, I think, but I would say, I would love to encourage young moms to not be afraid to start music with their young child, but knowing that this is a team sport. This is a team activity. So whichever method you choose and really which instrument you choose, I think success, my students who've been successful have had parents that have been willing to be in the lessons. You know, even if they're not sitting through all the practice times, they're there, they're reminding them, they're Mm. part, they're they're part of part this process. Of and they're present. Mm-hmm. And they're mm-hmm. present. And I think that too is so valuable, even in building the relationships with your children in all kinds of other areas of their life as they're growing up, that yeah. you've been there as part of this, you've worked as a team. Yeah. Um, even if you don't play yourself as a parent, you can still be part of this team. And that's what I learned right. just by accident. I learned that if I could be involved in what that meant when they were little was I would come into our music room, the area of the, our house where we have the piano and the violins and I have a big chair and I would get a book and I would just sit and read my book while they practiced. I was just in the room with them. And so they didn't feel like they were being sequestered, you know, to a room by themselves, right? Well, right. And I, even when they're really little, you'll still need yeah, to be you there, gotta be to, there to, to, to be hands like, on. Oh, wait, yeah. yeah. Mrs. Make sure you hold you by this way. But yeah. as they get older, right. right, that our involvement in their actual practice definitely wanes, but that we're still, yeah, either around in the room or aware yeah. they're practicing or reminding them being part of it. So I, if you have a kid, if you have a, a child who really doesn't want to practice one, we, we can talk about some tips for yeah, that here sure. in a minute, but but that's a big thing. Think about what are you doing to make that fun for them? And are you being a part of it? Because kids really don't want to be alone. And, and uh, human beings don't want to be alone. Like, it's okay. They don't have to go sit by themselves. Now, now, now my kids are, and they're fine with it, and they love to be alone. But when they're, <sighs> when they're little and they're coming up, it's like they feel like they're missing out on something else going on in the house. So we would right. just kind of come in and let them practice while I read my book and did something else just to make them feel supported. What 
ages is, is too late. I would say it's never too late. Started an adult student about eight weeks ago. He's in his late twenties and Mm -hmm. just like, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Jackson, I really want to do this. And I think he had some piano maybe in when he was younger and 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 then is one of those many, many adults I've met who are like, I can't believe I quit. I I wish I could play, right? How many times do we hear that? And that's my oldest son, Adam. Y'all have heard me say before that he he was really good on the piano. He loved it. And then in middle school, he decided he wanted to play video games instead. And I just let him quit. And that was one of the biggest mistakes. And to this day, he's very sad that he quit. And so I, if I could just encourage, encourage, encourage parents, so um, parents of little ones to get in there, you can do it. Parents of, of older ones, if they, you know, having them start, I think at any time mm-hmm. is super valuable. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I've, I have had um, several students that started when they were older and, and the parent was willing to come and mm-hmm. play you know, try mm-hmm. to play alongside mm-hmm. them. It was very, very fun. Oh, um, yeah. So I think there's, it's never too late. It's never too late to cultivate our affections towards great beauty and, mm-hmm. and art, I think, and art and, and set that example for, yeah. for those around us. Because we do have a lot of parents listening that have kids that are probably around 10, 11, 12, and they come to us because, you know, their children have gotten too immersed in their um, screen worlds and their video games and their social media, and they're trying to find other things for them to do. So what tips do you have for a parent who's coming with a 10 or 12 year old, yeah. right? Yeah. Who has been in love with video games and their phone. And now mom is going screen strong and she's saying, okay, we're going to bring some wonderful activities. So what, what do you do at that point when you've got this little person with very strong opinions about what well, they are? I mean, should you like foursome for lack of better words? I think, I, I think you can frame it okay. in the language of, and this is even my, my own children, like, this is going to be part of your education as a human being. Okay. So you're going to, you, you have to take math and you have to take mm-hmm. spelling. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going okay. to hopefully Music. still learn our grammar, right? <laughs> yeah. like, and we're going to read great literature. And part of your education is that you're going to learn how to read music and you're going to understand how an instrument works. And we, and when they're there that age, like you can explore with them. Do we want to do winds, brass, strings, piano, Mm -hmm. guitar? Because a lot of times one instrument, and if they've started, you know, even when they're younger and they are wanting to poop out at this stage, like sometimes you can, Sometimes really a different instrument just kind makes their heart sing in a okay. different way. Okay. Yeah. And so I think it's it's never I don't think it's a bad thing to let them switch instruments if mm-hmm. they want to or mm-hmm. or add a, you know yeah. an instrument. But one one thing, and I don't mean this to come out wrong, so anybody listening, please don't get offended. But one thing that I, I do feel like that they should start on a more classical instrument, like a piano, because like a lot of parents say, Oh, he's gonna start taking guitar lessons and I I think that's okay. There's just something there that I feel that as a classically trained musician, I would say I had uh, Liam did guitar for just a little bit, but we started with a classical guitar so that he would learn how to read music and he would learn how the instrument work. And he, he did, he learned some Bach and he learned, you know, some of the, some of the classical pieces in guitar because and the advantage there is that once you can do that you can read 
anything you want on the guitar. And I think adding your, well, I I shouldn't speak so authoritatively. I don't know a ton about the guitar, but Uh, uh uh I think if you have a basis in Western music and how it works, then it opens the door for you for all kinds of things, which I think then allows for just really fun experimentation if you wanted Mm -hmm. to do different Mm -hmm. styles and kinds of music Mm -hmm. as you grow older. Mm -hmm. You have a foundation that's just really, really strong. Yeah, I think it's really important to get that foundation and to learn how to read music, like you said, and that's a wonderful way to say it. Like this is just part of another subject. This is just a a subject that, you know, Unfortunately, schools across the whole United States have just kind of wiped out the arts um, right. many, many times, of course, with the recess. It all goes out the door. Um, so kids aren't, it's not part of their public school education anymore. And that's what's so sad because it used to be you would see kids running around with instruments after school all day long, getting on the bus with their French horns or their tubas or whatever, because <laughs> everybody was taking lessons at school. So what happens when all that is not available in school and for a busy parent who, how does she, mom and dad, how do they work this into their ebb and flow of their day if it's not happening in school hours? Right. Um, I have laughed that the hours between like 3.30 and 6.30, you know, yeah. we could charge double as a, as yeah. a music teacher. Of course, that's, the that's time what everybody wants. But yeah. I think, you know, finding a teacher who will really work with you. I am um, actually going to be teaching one of my students next year at 7.30 in the morning so that oh, she wow. can do that before she yeah. goes to school and it won't conflict with some of her other activities right. after school. You have to have a parent and a student that are willing to, yeah, that's hard. to, to yeah. do that because yeah. it's not What about easy, weekend lessons? I don't teach weekend lessons, but there are definitely, definitely music schools yeah. that do. So yeah. I think that's also an option. Right. I mean, I think, you know, we make time for the things that that's we value. Right. That's so right. if, yeah. if you are convinced and if, if we can convince you today yeah. that this yeah. is this is valuable, that this is an investment that is right. just a gift of a lifetime, yes. then then I think you can find a teachers and studios mm-hmm. that can work with you. And sometimes you can be really creative. I mean, you may have to start and say, okay, can can we work out every other week lessons for right. a certain amount of time until we figure this out? Or can we start in the summertime mm-hmm. when when sometimes schedules are a little bit more relaxed? Yeah. And it's a little easier to think through things. And I think it's um, good to start in the summer. Yeah. If you're starting, because that gives you a little running start. You don't have the pressure of the whole school day. And then you kind of ease into it. And and the other thing that COVID has brought us is this ability to do some online, you know, Zoom lessons too. And I never thought that would ever work. And now that we're more seasoned with their lessons, our piano teacher can get on Zoom and we, you know, she's out of town, they can still do their lessons. I mean, that's not certainly the foundation of what you want. However, it it can maybe work maybe every other lesson where you, you know, in the very beginning, the teacher really needs to be in person to show the student how to hold things and how to really watch and make sure they're doing things right. But right. As they get a little bit older, maybe some of the zoom I've watched it work. I was not a believer in it. And, <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, this is not the best, but it's actually, we're still, we're still doing it. We're still doing the, the lesson. So let's talk about some of the common misconceptions <laughs> that right. people have. I know one of them, um, one of the most obvious ones is, 
that you can't force a child to play. And the parent who forces them to play is that tiger mom who's over controlling and helicoptering and forcing all this stuff on our kid. And I just cringe every time I hear that because it, it's your coaching, you're not forcing and you are the parent and you get to make these decisions and kids don't get to vote when they're 10 years old. I do think we could go with a thousand ways with this and talk for a long time parental authority and right. you know but i think too that a lot of this comes back to cultivating affections mm-hmm. that if we can just talk to our students and model for our students and our children what it looks like to really pursue beauty mm-hmm. and to, to be creative mm-hmm. and to and to enjoy working hard. I mean, all of these things we don't want to do often as humans. We don't want to work hard. We don't want to do things that feel difficult. We don't want to feel do things that yeah. create stress. We want to, you know, but but that's not that's not the world we live in. Right. And so, you know, some people will say too that taking music lessons and, and being musicians often it comes with disappointment. And it oh, comes yeah. with it's um, hard. Yeah, it's hard. But I think that these are the often the things that help us become the people, people. that yeah. are that, that have grit and strength and can and can really, really succeed in yeah. the world as they become adults. And again, then their eyes are also opened to the beauty around mm-hmm. them. And then I think if we as parents have this vision of just being captivated by beautiful things and wanting to share that with our children, that mm-hmm. that wonder that we feel can can be transferred to them. I mean, I think if we are modeling up, oh my goodness, I have to take you to your lesson again and I'm so tired and I don't feel like mm-hmm. it, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. model that they're seeing. And then they're like, oh, well, I don't want to practice and I'm so tired. And I, right, you know, so right. I think if we can help model just excitement for this and joy, that I think that that, that helps. And then again, in our family, it, it was, it was a, this is just part of your education to become a human being. So this is a non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. And and this is, you know, I've talked to parents because I, I will hear sometimes, the, oh, but they don't really want to do it. Yeah, I didn't really want to take algebra either. I hated it. And I didn't want to do the dishes this morning. <laughs> I, I know, right? Like, but I had to, I had to pass my algebra class and I had to, you know, yeah. and it was hard for me. This was not yeah. my, this was not my cup of tea. Yeah. And so I think too, couching it in, this is, yeah, this is part of your education. Is a, this yeah. is your requirement in yeah. our family. Right. And um, we love you and we're going to be there with you right. and we're going to march through this together. Um, and I also have told my parents in middle school, sometimes, you know, you really do, you get the heels in the ground. And I've said, oh. listen, you can, you can pay me to practice. Sometimes it takes a month, sometimes it takes six weeks, sometimes it takes half a school year. But almost every child in middle school goes through a, I'm not doing this anymore. And I think that if we can persevere as parents Mm -hmm. and say, you know, no, we're gonna, we're gonna keep this up. We're Mm -hmm. gonna do it. We're gonna do it together. Even give them a little permission to ratchet back their practice time or, but Mm -hmm. I think 
trying to, you know, having a teacher that's willing to be paid to practice and to think out of the box and think of some fun things that they can play that they might enjoy yeah. a little bit more. Sometimes I do a little bit more fiddling at that age or some other kinds of music. But I also try to introduce a lot of chamber music at that age and encourage them to um, play in the in the local youth orchestra because mm-hmm. when they have the camaraderie. Right. When they're in a group. When they're in a group. Yeah. They're often much more engaged and yeah. much, much more willing to get yeah, around that age is when you do hit the wall and it is like mile 19 in the marathon. I always say where you kind of yes. lose your mind and that's what middle school is. And, you know, we should take all middle school kids and put them on an island somewhere and go get them right <laughs> after a year. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but the, the back, I want to talk more about middle school, but back to this myth of the forcing or the tiger mom, that's what's it's going to come out in middle school because your kids are going to okay, we'll go. Okay. We'll do what's oh, cute. We're playing twinkle, twinkle, little star. And we're doing it. And then, then things do get harder. They get hard. Yes. Things get hard and you're building that frustration tolerance, which of course music is a wonderful way to build that. That's a backbone core skill that we all need. And of course it doesn't get built on a video game or on a phone. It does get built when you're trying to learn a song on the violin for a few weeks and you just can't get it. And then all of a sudden you get it. And I'll never forget Andrew running out of the teacher's house one day. I was in the car waiting for them and he comes running like it was just like the house was on fire. And he gets to the car and he's like, I did it. I got it. I got it. Like he was just out of breath. He was so excited (laughs) that he got his, the the song, you know, that he'd been working. It was like this huge rush of dopamine. And I'm like that. It was so fun for me to see how, he was trying and trying and trying, and then he finally got it, and then he got to experience what that felt like to get it. Yes. You know, it, it's just so rewarding, of course, for me to watch as a parent, but for him, it was an incredibly rewarding thing. And so when you think of all the stuff in your kid's life right now, what are they doing that's that rewarding? Right. Because they need to be doing something that's that rewarding and yeah. not a video <clears throat> and not getting a like on a social media thing. They've, they've got to experience that. And the other thing that we did, and especially during this age, but we always made violin lessons fun. So if we were, if I was driving them, you know, it was hard, it was after school and they were tired and you're trying to, you know, make this work. And everybody's saying that, Oh, you just need to quit. If you don't want to do it, Melanie, they just need to quit. Cause there was a time when they were just complaining all the time. It was a short window, but it was a definite window. And my husband was like, I don't want to drive them to violin because they're complaining. And, and I, and I thought, okay, I got to do a couple things. So what we started doing, and we started making it just more fun. So on violin days, we would stop and get something fun to eat on the way home. So they could look forward to, you know, that's what we did for dinner that night, or it, we just made it yeah. fun. You know, if, if, if you just stop and get it icy, you know, then they'll, they'll, think of that little reward at the end of their lesson. I don't believe in just rewarding kids for everything they do, but, but you can meet them halfway and you can make it fun. And absolutely. And then getting in a group is absolutely hundred percent. I can't agree anymore with that and finding other friends, you know, like they're very good friends with your son, Liam. And that's really fun to know that you're not the only weird kid having to take violin. <laughs> well, and I will tell you this, it was so funny to me. So when Liam first got to school with your boys, like he would, had started telling me like, okay, mom, because he was, he had been homeschooled and he was going into ninth grade. He was like, I really want to do baseball and I can keep doing viola and orchestra, but I don't know if I can keep doing piano too. I don't know. And he was kind of giving me a little, a little bit of pushback. Bit, yeah. <laughs> and then he gets to school and then 
His dear friends are Andrew and Evan, who are also Also. having to play the violin and the piano. And I didn't hear another thing about it. Isn't that interesting? I just didn't. Because it was like, well, this is what we did. And he had another partner in crime. He did. I think sometimes knowing that, oh, well, yeah, okay, we can do this together. Yeah, it's like you set these goals. I mean, it does have a lot to do with the people you hang out with. We become the people we hang out with. And so if you're hanging out with people that are playing the piano, (laughs) then I guess you're going to keep playing the piano. And I remember when the boys were in eighth grade, because they complained, I think seventh grade was the hardest year when they were complaining a bunch. And I, if I, if they had been my first, I would have caved and I would have said, well, you're right. You've got baseball and all these other things. You probably don't need to be doing this. I mean, I I understand how important uh, extracurricular activities are, but I think I would have caved, but because they're not my first, because I've made mistakes in this very area, I, I did not let them quit. But I remember in middle school, same old broken record answer was you can quit when you're 18, you can quit when you're 18, you can quit when you're 18. And I knew I knew they weren't really going to quit when they were 18, but they were like, oh, I can't believe it. I have to go again. And, you know, everything's so instant in the moment. If they're doing something, they don't want to leave and they don't want to go to practice and it's all horrible and they're complaining, whatever. But then by eighth grade, I remember sitting in the kitchen, we were eating dinner. Well, it was Andrew. I believe it was Andrew. And he, he got this kind of look on his face and he said, mom, you know, when you're in seventh grade, everybody makes fun of you for playing the violin and not having a smartphone. Of course, he has to throw that in. I'm like, really? They make fun of you? Yeah, they make fun of you and it's terrible. But by eighth grade, and they were in eighth grade, he said by eighth grade, they the, the girls start thinking it's kind of cool. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I do laugh about that. And, and, and this is where I'll tell parents, like, if you can get over the middle school hump, yes, then they will own it on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and especially if you have boys, there is something about, oh, I can do something. Like something that yeah. they would be picked on for. I mean, the time yeah. they get to high school, it's like, oh, I have this yeah. skill. Yeah. I have this gift. Yeah. I can do something yeah. that most of the people around me cannot yeah, do. do. And that's and, separating me out. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think to what you were saying when you referred to mile 19 and a marathon, yeah. like we have so much of this, I think. Our mindset as parents, if again, we've talked about exhibiting joy and excitement over this, but I think too, if we can have a marathon okay. perspective instead of a sprint, yes. parenthood is not a sprint, right? The activities they do, right? Heart formation, yes, is not yeah. a sprint, it yeah. is a marathon. Yeah. And I have yeah. another book that I brought with me by Sarah McKenzie, Teaching from Rest, but she wrote that it may be just a little drop of water. But if you can manage to take the long view, you will see that these little moments mm. done faithfully add up to quite a lot more than just a puddle. Yeah. Done faithfully and mindfully day in and day out over the years, they make a mighty ocean. Wow. And so, yeah. you know, even, you know, Geddes, who's seven, still wants his practice times to be very, very short, which I think is fine. And I yeah. think it's fine when they're older as well. If a little bit every day. A little drop. A little bit day. every day. <laughs> and it also makes it easier to come back to it and practice. It's much yeah. more difficult if they're like, oh, well, on Saturdays, I guess I'll try to practice. You know, oh, and then you're that's like, so oh, hard. that's terrible. No, that's terrible. So just a little every day. And so my goal for him, as you know, in Suzuki Violin, we do his review pieces each day. And then we'll, you know, mm-hmm. like, well, let's just work about five minutes on yeah. your piece and see how yeah. it's coming. I mean, and quite often, 
he'll just keep Go going. Longer. But yeah. um, but sometimes he doesn't, yeah. you know, and that's okay. Yeah. And so and their attention span um, is, is kind of short when they're little and you have to work around that. And I love that because I love a little bit all the time instead of one big, you know, chunk right. every now and then. Right. And that's what we see. Of course, I have to say this with screens as well. If you let your kids play video games just a little bit every day, you're going to have a big problem on your hands because this same principle applies to good habits as well as bad habits. And that's how you build a habit. And that's what you're talking about right now. And right. so every child is different. And I think every child you have to assess, but every child can play music. Yes. And I think there's also, that's another, um, a, a myth. Sometimes people will say, oh, well, I, you know, my child doesn't seem to have any special right. gift there. But, and I think we are all gifted a little differently. Some things are naturally mm -hmm. come a little naturally to some of us and others, but the great musicians didn't just appear bammo. Like no. it was, it was a, it was hundreds and thousands of, of hours, hours, right? And, and hours. so, and yeah. so, there are some kids that this, this will be really that this will be more difficult for. They won't be as naturally comfortable holding the instrument right. or sitting at a piano or doing. But, um, but, but when you start them young, you start them young, and you just, yeah. and even again, just a little drop every day. They may not go to be professional musicians. Yeah, that's not that's, which is not yeah, our goal, yeah, right? Yeah. But they will be they will be ones that love music. They right. will have their eyes open to beautiful things. They will have had a good formation of habits and yeah. discipline. I mean, and It yeah. is. I mean, and, and I've mm -hmm. always um, been told as mom, Oh, with your boys, make sure you keep them busy. Well, mm -hmm. Well, I don't want them just to be busy with mm -hmm. mindless things. Like, right. I want them to right. be busy with really beautiful things right. and character forming things right. and um, worthwhile things yeah. that are, you know, putting little drips in their bucket yeah. for their future as they, for my girls and my boys, as they become um, beautiful human beings. And that's my hope. Well, it, I feel like even for like the brain development, to even if they just play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star for 10 years, they're still getting the brain development. Yeah. And see, that's what we get. We're, we get really confused as a culture and as parents. We think they have to be the best. And, you know, the tiger mom, back to that a minute, to me, that's the mom who wants their kid to be the number one, the best and everything all the time. And that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about participation. We're talking about it, enlightening them and opening their eyes to things. They don't, they don't have to be the world stage piano player. Now, if they do, then that's great, but they don't have to. And, and the other thing that we did now that I realized was such a good idea, didn't really realize it, you know, um, at the time, but we went to a lot of the um, symphony performances yes. in town because our teacher would give us tickets, tickets. Right. And, and then they started loving that. And so we did that when they were, pretty little. I mean, I would say fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And that kind of whet their appetite a little bit. So back to what you were talking about is for modeling this. I do not play any instrument. I play the radio. That's all I play. Um, and I play Spotify, right? But you can still model everything you're talking about by exposing them to really wonderful music in your house. And, and I would not, I do not let my kids just listen to anything. What I mean, they, I'm pretty picky about um, the exposure there because the, some of the music today is just horrible. And, and that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I bet it makes your hair curl when you think about what's happening in the music industry. 
but making it fun, taking them to plays, to musicals, to even high schools that are around in your area, not even your own high school. If your high school doesn't have musicals, just look it up. There's so many things to expose them to. And I remember Evan in middle school started a garage band. Okay. They, for a talent show, they, so, so all, I mean, look at the time. It was so wonderful. All these kids got together and like the ones that didn't play anything, they just played the tambourine or something, but <laughs> they all got together in one of their friend's garages and they learned uh, two or three songs for a talent show. If your school doesn't have talent shows, what a great idea. Start one yourself, mm-hmm. go talk to the PTA right. and, and let kids sort of showcase what they're doing, you know, in a talent show once a year. I think that's really fun. Of course, recitals and all that are fun, but it's really fun when you can make it more part of your community. And you, and the point here is you don't have to be perfect. And we have to quit thinking that our kids have to be perfect in order to continue an activity. A lot of people take their kids out of sports because they're not the best baseball player on the team. And I'm like, no, that's not the reason why they're on the team. The reason why they're on their team is to get all the other benefits that go with it. And that's what you're talking about right. here, all these benefits. Right. Yeah. So that's the myth of the talent, the myth of the tiger mom, that you don't have to be talented. I, I, <laughs> let, let me just say, I had a, a dad tell me one time we were at a baseball game and we we're rain delay. And we were talking and I was talking, this was, I, I remember it so clearly. It was sixth grade and his son, uh, he was talking about his son would love to play. Uh, I don't know if it was, uh, it was a French horn. I think it was because his aunt used to play and he said, but you know, he had a few lessons and you know, Melanie, he's not ever going to be Michael Jackson. So I think it's a waste of money to put him in lessons. <sighs> And I'm thinking, well, Michael Jackson didn't play the French horn, I don't think. But but no, I, but I knew what he meant. And and I felt so sad because here the, the child wanted to play, but his dad was like, well, he's never going to be Michael Jackson. So I, why would I spend money on this? You know, yeah, and I'm like, oh, I'm so sad. It made me so sad. What about overscheduling? Isn't it too stressful to have kids going and running to all these activities? I think some of it, it's got to be you know, your own. Uh, I have a high tolerance for schedule chaos, I think. And my my <laughs> second too. my second oldest daughter is like, mom, for real. I mean. <laughs> You're doing what? Oh, gosh. So she actually last night was like, okay, so when you're working on your schedule, like, why don't you not do as much next year? I'm like, okay. But, yeah. but yeah. I think even, so I need to ratchet down, I think, my my own expectations, expectations for schedule <laughs> chaos. But I think, you know, I've always had a little bit more freedom with that. I mean, I know with, right. with the seven kids we and we homeschooled through, up until high school until high for school. most of them. And so we've had a little bit more flexibility sure. with, with schedules. Sure. But I think it's one of those things, again, like we are coming back to if it's it's something that we value right. as a family. We'll right. figure out figure how out. to make it work make it a priority, and make it a priority. Yeah. And then, in these puzzle pieces, will fall into place. And there may be some years where you you really have to ask your teacher, like, can we maybe do thirty minutes this year instead of an hour? Yeah. Or you know, is would every other week be an option? Yeah. Or can we, you know, just just in thinking through, the willing to think out yeah. of the box a little bit sometimes yes. for these these logistical yes. things because sometimes a miracle happens and everything falls Well, and the in miracle place. can happen and you can make the miracle happen. And what happened in our situation was our violin teacher was actually going to the school and we had a group lesson at the school and it was during one of the recesses during the week and everybody said, well, we can't take away 
recess, but you know what? We can, and we did. And they were in school. So they weren't coming home at three o'clock, exhausted, having to go to a lesson. This is when they were little, like first, second, third grade. And she would just go and it would be like at 1030 and they would all go do their lesson. And, but we had to work for that. And, And we do now with their high in high school, their piano teacher goes to their school. Yeah. And they do take a, one of their sort of breaks that they have during one of their cells or their study halls or their, they actually don't have a study hall, their lunch. And they do, they work their lesson into uh, the, the, the school day for kids who are in school. If you're homeschooling, of course, it's very different. You mm-hmm. have a lot more, but this myth of over, overscheduling, I would just challenge you right now, if you're listening, that if, if your kids are, if they have any screen time at all, okay, if they're playing any video games, if they have a phone, if they have any social media, if you just take those hours and and I'm saying hours because it's always hours and if you convert that to a music lesson then bam you're not over scheduling anything. That's right. It is. There's it time, is. the buckets of time that you can find so you don't feel like you're over scheduling, but I think we're under scheduling. Right. I, I think, well, I think that there's a lot of fear of stressing the children out or doing this or, or putting too much pressure on them. And I think yeah. I, I, I'm hoping that the pendulum will swing back a little bit that parents will say, no, we're going to get in the, yeah. we're going to, we're going to get in this together. And we need some stress in our life. And so there's toxic stress that we don't want, right. but then there's healthy stress and we're trying so hard to be that snowplow parent where you're trying to get rid of all the stress in their pathway. So they won't, and that's not, you know, it's, it's very good stress for your child to have to practice for a recital and get in front of 50 people and try to do it. And even if they mess up and they're nervous as heck and they're really, you know, it's, that's so good. It's such good practice. We have to get them used to some healthy stress. Well, and I remember um, when my oldest had her first, maybe it was her first seating audition for orchestra and she was so nervous about it. And maybe the very first one, she didn't know how to prepare quite right. And she ended up moving down a seat and she was so sad. And I remember telling her, I was like, you know, as a mom, my knee jerk reaction to this is to want to wrap you up in cotton balls and bubble wrap and just stick you in the closet and close the door where yeah. no one can touch you. No one can hurt, hurt you, you. No one can make you cry. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, but that no. isn't what is going to make you into the beautiful person that you're meant to be. And in part of growing up, is yes. learning how yes. to handle disappointments. And yes. I have laughed with my children. I'm like, I am so sorry. I yeah. put, you know, Liam's baseball player, musician between their between their sports and their music. They have so many opportunities to fail. Yep. They have capitalized on those they, often. Yep. And yep. um yeah. but but it is it is beautiful to see yeah. how um, teaching them how to come out of that. How are we going to handle this? Yeah. And it bleeds over to every other part of life. You know, it, it, that's, what's so beautiful about this. And if y'all don't know what a seating audition is, we went through this violin (laughs) and, um, they would have to do these things. And so what it is every periodically they go in and they have to kind of retry out and then they get reassigned. And I love it because, it's like you, you can level up, you know, <laughs> or you can, you know, not do so it for the well, consequences of not practicing. <laughs> yeah. And it's a real bummer when you are a 14 year old boy who's very competitive to lose your position. Right. Yes. But, but they learn super quickly that the more you practice, the better you do. And it affects that level of competition. So I love that part of the competition about it. And I'm not saying that, you know, I, I mean, I don't, you know, so much more about 
that whole thing than I do as far as how it all works. And I'm just like, oh, did you miss a level this time? Well, maybe you'll practice better next time. And it's like, I don't have to keep telling them that. It's the life lessons that they learn from it and those executive function skills that kick in and all that practice with learning that, hey, this does make sense that I get rewarded for practicing. Huh? Well, that's kind of how life is in every job that you're going to have too. So it's such a good lesson to learn that. But talk real quick about stress and about um, what you said, something at school with Liam. Oh, oh, well, it was, it was funny. Now, some of this may be personality as well, because I do, he has a very joyful personality, but they, they were meeting in school. They were having these tests, I think, to determine how they were, how much stress, how they much stress they, they had. had yeah. Cause it's a big thing it. in teenage years right now. Everybody's stressed out. Yeah. So right? they had this quiz in class and they were all supposed to take it. And Liam did come home and he was like, mom, I, I was one of the only ones in my class to have a normal stress level, but I'm playing baseball and I'm still taking piano lessons, but his piano teacher will tell you, he didn't practice so much this year, but he was it's still, okay. you know, there. He was still there. Um, <laughs> and he was, he was practicing his viola and he's in the orchestra and he's taking AP classes. You know, so yeah. This is his world. And, and he has younger siblings that he is also faithful to help me with. To help. And on paper, he looked like he should have been stressed. On paper, he looked like he should have been a total disaster. And, but he was like, I... You know, and so he was just asking, he was like, I, I feel very, very comfortable. Like, I don't feel I don't like feel I don't stress. have any bad yeah. stress. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I know that I have to, to work hard. Yeah. And so, you know, what are we, I think he was asking me maybe like, is our culture confused working hard yeah. with being stressed or are we, if we, if we get behind in things and, and, yeah. and we've not managed our time well you know, that can be stressful and he has certainly experienced sure. that, but then he knows what needs to, to happen, you know, to help. And, and I'm there and his dad is there. I mean, we yeah, wanna, you're very involved. Um, and, you know, yeah. help him when we can. And, and cur- right now our main role is probably just mostly encouraging him sure. and then helping him yeah. structure something if he has started going oh, yeah. sideways. He's got to still help him remember <laughs> yeah, sometime but, the, um, with time management. But, but the point is not all stress is created equal. There the stress that you get from these types of activities and whatever, most of the time is very healthy stress. It's not the toxic stress that really hurts our kids, which is of course being exposed to horrible things on the internet, um, being judged on, you know, social media, being comparing yourself all the time and then video gaming till all hours of the night that causes a lot of stress and lack of sleep causes stress. So we got to be careful about putting stress all in one bucket. Cause I think it's okay to be a little stressed over your piano recital. I think that's a really good. I do stress. think that's a happy, that's yeah. a, that is a, a good stress. Cause it does just help us. I mean, cause we are still human and we are living in this world and it is hard sometimes. Oh yeah. And so, you yeah. know, I think if we, if we're coddling the, the children and especially at that age too much, then, then we're going to have bigger problems as, no, as they yeah. get older. Yeah. So. Well, and I think the other, some of the other benefits that Evan has certainly experienced with his piano is he's now being asked to play at things at school and he does background music for a lot of things. They both play in church right now where that's just like amazing. They started that in seventh grade and I just, I thought I was going to have to force them, but they love it. And, you know, they love the orchestra there. Of course they're in the symphony as well, the youth symphony, but let's, there's a couple questions here and we're going to wrap up because I know there's people listening and I know you, you've got a few questions out there if you're, you're listening, because maybe you're for the first time thinking, oh my gosh, I really want to do this, but I can't afford it. So, well, how do you suggest for a parent out there 
who really wants to, what are some creative ways if they can't, if they really just can't afford it? I mean, I know one answer is, well, we have to sacrifice and there's certain things we have to not do. Like maybe you have to get rid of your cable bill. Right. And I mean, that could pay for some lessons, right? I mean, there's certain things you have to sacrifice, but what do you suggest for? Um, I think sometimes there are grants. If you, if you contact some of the local arts organizations, okay. I think, that's true. There are often there are often things out there. I know if you came, you know, if you're part of my studio, and then you know, I have given practice scholarships before, okay. or if okay. I've got students that are willing to practice, or you know, okay, you know, really show some effort, show some effort. Then I, I'm very happy to work with the parents okay. on figuring out how to make that go. Sometimes if you're working with, um, if you're not with a, just a private teacher, like I'm at a, a music school, the music mm-hmm. school itself will have some options. Mm-hmm. I just think it's always good to ask and do some research because there are usually opportunities. That's a really good that point. we don't. Really, that we don't even think. That about. we don't think about. And if you have a local symphony in your area, they're also going to have some programs that will right. allow your child to come in, um, and even give them instruments too. Because we right. have a program that we do that. We we a lot of times give our violins because when they're going through violin, you go through like six of them before you get right. to the one that you uh, mm-hmm. end up with. And also to just work in within your community. All right. Another question is I work and I am just physically not able to drive them to lessons after school. What do you recommend? I think you covered that a little bit. A little bit. And there's, there, there are teachers who will travel. Okay. Um, I think again, again, it's really taking some initiative to really do some research and okay. see, because some teachers will come to you. Sometimes you can have a situation like you did in, in school where there is someone that comes to the school. Yeah. And you can you can capitalize on that. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. you could look at a Saturday option. I mean, I think, again, just thinking outside the box, asking mm-hmm. some good questions. Just getting creative yeah. trying yeah. to figure out the solutions to that. Yeah. Okay. The other question is, so I've signed my child up for piano, but they don't practice. <laughs> well, and we've talked about this some. I think thinking of ways, maybe if you can practice with them sometimes, or even just say, hey, let's just give it five minutes today. Mm-hmm. Let's just see if you can cover this part of your practice. Little times. I mean, I think, you know, saying, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to go in there and you're going to practice for 30 right. minutes and put on this timer. It can't you know. be mean. <laughs> right. And I think, but just just thinking of ways to help them or like, you yeah. know, get us. I know he's a little bit younger, but at you know, five and six, he loves stickers. He loved them oh, so much. Yeah. And I just, yeah. bought like I finally went on Amazon and bought like the pack of 4,000 stickers and so then you know we just stuck stickers on everything when he practiced something and he just okay. loved that you know yeah. Martha Grace I think preferred jelly beans and so we would do you know, yeah. some jelly beans since she was little but I think just thinking I would like chocolate you want some chocolate yeah, if, okay <laughs> well when 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 I start ta- when you start taking lessons I will have chocolate for you M&M's oh, okay the peanut butter M&M's actually are my favorite I'll do anything okay. for a peanut butter M&M okay <laughs> just FYI so, so yeah so sometimes it's just really little things that'll help. Everybody's probably sick of me saying this, but I think as parents, a lot of times we can do a better job at really modeling mm-hmm. excitement and joy uh-huh. to them so that yeah. they are happier about this yes. adventure. <laughs> and we talk about that a lot in Screen Strong. And one of our mantras that we talk about all the time is that it's all about your attitude as a parent, that your your kids reflect 
your attitude. So if you're getting ready to do the detox and you're getting ready to take their video games away and replace it with a piano, (laughs) (laughs) or if you're getting ready to tell them, Hey, we're, we're going back to a gab phone. You're not going to have a smartphone, but we're going to do all these other fun things. Instead, your attitude is what just makes all the difference. If you go in with a really sad, Oh honey, I hate to tell you, but you're, you're, being destined and doomed to play the piano, <laughs> then they're going to be, oh no. But if you get really excited about it, then they're they're going to get excited because we tend to take on the characteristics of the people that we hang around. So, right. but if we get on our kid's roller coaster and we get all upset and the whole house is all upset and crying because, you know, uh, Liam had to play, had to practice piano today. Don't let it ruin your I know. life. And you I know. have been convicted as a mom that sometimes like, you know, sometimes I'm like, golly, the kids are so crabby today. What in the world? And then I like, oh, how, how uh, have I been? <laughs> oh, no. Like, I think I woke up on the wrong side of the bed yeah. and I have created an environment yeah. of everybody waking up on the wrong side of the bed. So. so parents really do have the power to turn that around. And you have the power in your home to vote on this. Do not let your kids <laughs> vote on this. You have the wisdom and the the ability to think ahead at how this is going to benefit them down the road. Even if they are still playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star in five years, it's still going to benefit them. They do not have to be perfect at it, but they're going to get a lot of joy from it. So as we wrap up, think of something encouragement you can say to a mom who's who's just kicking herself right now. And she's like, I cannot believe that I let my kid play Fortnite for the last four years. That's been his hobby that was his music, <laughs> Fortnite songs. What am I going to do now? This is too late. He already doesn't like me because I'm taking Fortnite away. Right. Or their daughter already is so mad because, you know, she's 12 and mom just took her phone away. And now what? I have to de- I have to tell them that they have to do this thing and take piano. What? A- I can't do it, Katie. I can't do it. What am I? They're going to hate me even more. What, what kind of encouragement can you <laughs> offer? Well. I did have a famous musician actually come to me recently about his kids, which I was so like, I can't believe you're asking me this question. But he was like, what is the, what is your advice? What is your advice? And I said, prayer and consistency. Okay. And I, I think I'm going to stand by that. (laughs) Prayer and consistency. And, um, and then again, what we've talked about a lot today, just really modeling the best we can, just the, the joy mm-hmm. that, that's in this world and, and the beauty and really seeking to show that to our children. And mm-hmm. and taking um, them around and letting them hear Yes, expose them to beautiful things because yeah. they will find things to they, – they will find things that are not beautiful. Yeah. And so – They're very attractive. Uh, they're very attracted sometimes. <laughs> and so I yeah. think, again, just being – modeling their affections. And if I – and I just think it's not too late. Like, okay. and, and I know sometimes I even – it's okay to admit this. Like even sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, I think, oh, my goodness, I've done all these things wrong. And I've just messed all this stuff up. And I just need to you – know, but it's not too late. We don't right. live in a graceless universe. Right. When we know better, we do better. Yes, and you start right. today. Yes, you start today. And the the children I've had, I've started kids, I think now at every age. And my probably my oldest student started at 64. But really I, never is too late. It never is too late. You know, I think it's just, it's just taking one step at a time. Yeah. One day at a time. One step at a time. Again, back to our quote about it's just one drip, you know. One drip, little drip. drip. Yeah. yeah. And not to get overwhelmed 
you know, your kids are going to follow your lead and they might be mad at you for a minute and that's okay. And you're not going to worry about it because you're the coach and you know, sometimes the team gets all upset and you're not going to quit coaching them. I, I think that a practical thing that I'll just throw in here for us was the piano that we got. We had a big piano that was old that had to get tuned all the time and it was never sounded very good. A good then, sounding instrument. Yeah. And then we important. ended up getting this Yamaha and it's a full, I don't even know what I'm saying, um, keyboard. All 88 keys. It has all 88 yeah. keys. <laughs> <laughs> and it like feels like a piano. I'm telling you, that was the best thing that Yes. We a good instrument for the kids is always great. Yeah. And so. this thing records them and it plays all the other, it has some of the other fun stuff. So if you, but if you start off with a keyboard, a really cheap keyboard, I wouldn't really recommend that. I think some parents want, well, we're going to try this or we're going to start with the drums. And I'm like, no. Start with <laughs> well, I think it is hard for me as a teacher sometimes when it's like, okay, well, we're just going to try this. And I think that my parents have been, who've been more successful have been those that are like, we're going to do, do this. this. We're not going to try it. Right. We're not going to try this. That's we're going to, we're going to do this yeah. and we're going to do this together wow. as a family. You know, they may ask to switch instruments one day or they may need to yeah. make some adjustments. But I think this, this trying out mentality is not helpful. Um, yeah, and then getting an instrument that's not very good is not right, helpful. Right. And you know what? That is probably one of the most important things that we said today because that's really true with the Spring Strong lifestyle. You can't just try it. You have to do it. Yeah. You, if you're going to just play around, it's not going to work. You have to do it. You have to get right. committed and do it. You do not have to spend a ton of money, though. You can go seriously on uh, eBay or whatever it is, and it, you can find used instruments. Yeah. You, you don't have to spend thousands of dollars on stuff, you know, um, just do some networking and researching. And like, you know, we found this piano that we have is used is our favorite thing. I wish I could get another one because when they go off to college, they're going to want to take, I am like, I, <laughs> there are two grand pianos and oh. three harps in one of the rooms in my house. Oh. And I keep thinking, one day that side of my house Somebody is going to be like, take it empty. <laughs> I'm like, no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So, Anything else you want to end? Well, with? I'd love to end. If I could just read the last yeah. paragraph that I wrote for my parents last year in yeah. the little studio letter Absolutely. that I had, I think this might, this might be helpful. But okay. so I am reminded each year as I go to Suzuki Institute, that Suzuki's goal was to create beautiful hearts through pursuing excellence in music. Our primary goal together is to create beautiful and noble hearts that are able to enjoy God's beautiful gift of music. This is indeed a gift, one that must be developed through diligence and hard work, but a gift that lasts a lifetime, one that opens the doors to rich beauty and that one that can draw us ever closer to our creator. Quoting Sarah McKenzie again, she writes that the true goal of education is to order a child's affections and teach him to love that which is lovely. The point then is to put the true, the good, and the beautiful ideas in front of our children and let them feast on them. Truth, goodness, and beauty. I hope that I may walk faithfully along with each of you as parents to show this to your children. This also gives you insight into my heart that for me, this is so much more than simply teaching the violin. It is an attempt to open the eyes and ears of my students to a world of beauty, to a world of truth, to the world of goodness. I am praying that I will teach them diligently and well, and that I'll be thorough in explaining technique and all the nuts and bolts of excellent musicianship. But I pray that in the middle of that, we will not forget to give God the glory for this gift of music, and we will always seek that which is lovely. 
that makes me cry. <laughs> Thank you. That is so sweet. Thank you for coming today and spending this time with us. Well, I am so honored to get to be a part of this and I'll come talk to you anytime. Oh, about and we would love to have you back. Of course, of course. And I will also just have to say that the Jacksons are a screen strong family. So. Yes. Thank you so much <laughs> for all for, of your work. Melody. Well, thanks for being in our village and thank you so much for all the work that you're doing. I hope everyone enjoyed listening today. I sure have. I learned something new with every guest and I just want everyone to know that we have a lot of this education material in our parent online course. It's of course now available for you. You can start planning your small group and do this screen strong course and create your tribe. You can also in that small group, start talking to your friends about piano lessons and violin lessons with all your new friends that you're going to make since your kids are going to be converting their video game hours (laughs) to uh, music instead. We do have a 30-day detox on the dash with that course as well. Our community is our Facebook group, Screen Strong Families. If you want to jump in there and ask questions of other families about what they're doing for their music lessons and how they keep that um, creativity going. And I'm in there too. I'll be glad to answer that. And we are going to be starting our online forum. Hopefully this summer is our deadline on that, where we're going to have some other physicians and talking with you about uh, how to switch over and become screen strong. And we talked about the Gab phone today. Remember to use our code strong to get a discount for that. And I do just want to say about that, that my boys have had lots of lessons with lots of teachers. They've never had a smartphone. It, it works just fine to have a Gab phone, to communicate with your piano teacher on your Gab phone. It works just fine. <laughs> so what's your homework? Um, send us some questions. If you have any questions about music for Katie, we will absolutely get those over to her. And you can use the email address team at screenstrong.com. It's T-E-A-M at screenstrong.com. I want you to make a list of uh, maybe five friends that you can send this podcast to. <clears throat> and again, if there's some families at your school that you want to talk with about getting some music programs started at your school, this is a good podcast to start with. Invite some of your friends over this week too. We're in the middle of summer and your kids need to be in person with their friends. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids. Go get a nice piano for them. <laughs> I'm sorry. We have to stand up for our kids and have to go get a piano that they like. Stand out from the crowd and stay strong. <laughs> <laughs>